All God's people said, amen. Aren't you glad we had a choir this morning? Well, that's good. That's good. Amen. I like it. I like it. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start reading in verse number 1. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. And um, before I launch into the sermon this morning, I just want to welcome some new members, um, Leah, Miguel, and Julia uh, Velarde. And they joined in the first service this morning. And I would ask them to stand, but they're not here. All right? So anyway, but if you see them in the hallway, if you know who they are, just uh, tell them that you are glad um, that they have joined our fellowship. All right, Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse number 1. Jesus is teaching. This is part of the Sermon on the Hillside. And Jesus teaches us this this morning. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. This is the word of the Lord, and I pray that he will bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the blessed Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you will take your word, our authority, um, your word to us. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will apply this to our lives. Lord, teach us through your word. Teach us, Father, um, how to judge rightly. And Lord, how to be people of righteousness when it comes to evaluating sin. And Lord, we thank you for the day that you have given us. This is the day that you have made. And I pray, Lord, that we will rejoice and we will be glad in it. And we pray that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will be acceptable in your sight, our Lord, our rock, and our Redeemer. And we ask this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said once again, amen. Amen. There is a teaching in the world, um, something the world teaches us, and it is that we should never judge. We should never judge anyone. Um, that teaching has problems, and, and, and fortunately, that teaching has transcended into the church that we should not judge, we should not judge anyone. And, and I believe that, just very simple, the reason why this is a popular thought, that we should never judge anyone, is because, I'm just going to come from my, from my perspective, all right? Because people want to do what people want to do, and they do not want to be told what they should not do. I mean, that comes from the great philosopher Aaron Rayburn. Right there, man. All right? Hey, Aaron. I mean, hey, listen, man. We want to do what we want to do, and we don't want anybody telling us what we should not do. But that teaching from the world, and even teaching from the church, unfortunately, has problems. Number one, when we say that we should never judge, um, that's a very inconsistent statement because it's self-refuting. It's self-refuting because of this. If someone comes up to you and they tell you that you should never judge, that is a judgment statement in and of itself. And so it cancels itself out. I mean, it's self-refuting. It's irrational. And the second reason why, it's just inconsistent with life. We make judgment calls all the time. But let's go a little bit deeper. 
It's inconsistent in life because if we say we can't judge anyone, what we're saying is, is, is we, we cannot make an ethical distinction between good and bad. We cannot make an ethical distinction between what is right and what is wrong, what is proper and what is improper. It's just inconsistent. And not only that, but most importantly this morning for our hearing is it's inconsistent with Scripture. It's inconsistent with Scripture. And you might say, but Aaron, I have heard all of my life that we should not judge. I mean, we should never judge anyone. Well, if you've heard that all of your life, then someone has been teaching you wrongly. Because the Bible does not say that we should never, ever judge someone. It doesn't say that. And so what we're going to do is real simple this morning. We're going to look at three passages of Scripture and we, we can't cover all of them, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover the main text that people use to say you shouldn't judge, and that's Matthew 7. And then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6, and then we're going to apply it. Is that okay with you all this morning? All right, here we go. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Hath God said we should not judge? Well, when you go to Matthew 7 verse 1, and you look at the first two words, it looks like Jesus is saying that we should never judge another person because he says, judge not. First two words, judge not. But if you look more closely at the context, and what I, say, what I mean by context is what surrounds those two words, what surrounds that verse. If you look closely at the context, you will see in verse 5 something very important. In verse 5, Jesus says, hypocrites, but first you must do this. And so what Jesus is doing, he's qualifying what he said at the beginning. Judge not, for you will be judged, but before you judge, then you must do this. And so Jesus isn't saying that we should never judge. What Jesus is saying is, before we judge, we need to be very, very, very careful. And if Jesus was trying to teach us that we should never judge, he never would have put that, that word but there in verse 5. He never would have put that conjunction there. Would have never qualified it. Never would have. And what Jesus is warning us against is not judging. He's warning against censorious judgment. He's warning us against a very critical, habitual attitude where we judge other people basically on the basis of nothing without any self-awareness or any self-examination of our own. And so Jesus is saying, before we give someone a healthy dose of judgment, it needs to be baked thoroughly with self-awareness and self-reflection. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And so what this does, when we put this in context, it complements what Jesus says in John chapter 7, verse 24. In John 7, 24, Jesus says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right motive, or judge with just judgment. And so Jesus is not teaching us we shouldn't judge anybody. He's just saying be very, very careful whenever you judge. Now let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 5, and 6. And we can't really get into this, these texts like we, you know, as deeply as I want to. We're going to have to hit them. I'm going to comment on them, and then we're going to move on to application. Is that, is that good? All right. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, Paul is talking about the ministry of the early church leaders, the apostles. He's talking about their motive for ministry. There are some church leaders in Paul's day that were motivated uh, by gain, by, by getting something out of the ministry. Uh, there were some that were motivated by envy. Some were motiv motivated by jealousy. And Paul speaks to this, and listen, 
He says in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 4, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, I do not pronounce judgment before time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose, this is important, and the Lord will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his uh, commendation before the Lord. Now, it seems like that Paul is saying, if you just read it and bounce off of it, it looks like what Paul is saying there is we should leave all judgment up to the Lord and we should never judge anybody. But what Paul is really saying is he is saying this. He is saying that we should not pretend to have such great insight that we can judge someone's thoughts, that we can judge someone's motives, that we can judge, I want you to look back in uh, verse number five, that we can judge the purposes of the heart. Does that make sense? And so Paul is saying, look, you can't judge an apostle or a church leader on the outside, like Jesus said, um, and you can't judge them by the hidden purposes of the heart, their motives, their thought. You can't do that. Okay, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This is a very stunning text of Scripture. In uh, 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1, it says, now listen closely to what Paul's saying. It is actually reported that there is a sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in the body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Now what Paul is talking about here, I mean, it's obvious, right? He is referring to a flagrant sin that is just out in the open in the church of Corinth. Now, we have to be careful here because it's just not sexual sins that we need to judge. It's other sins like even gossip and people who are creating dissent in the body of Christ. But here is a very, very flagrant sin. And Paul is making a very, very strong judgment here. And so if Paul is teaching us not to judge in chapter 4, then he's contradicting himself in chapter 5. And so Paul is saying to us, listen, if there is open sin like this, it needs to be judged and it needs to be confronted. And there are two reasons why it needs to be confronted. Number one, I believe that if if we do not judge sin and if we do not confront sin, that in itself is sin. It is sin. And not only that, But Paul knew that if that sin was not judged, I mean, could you imagine that sin just being open in the church? That's pretty gross, man. And if it was not attacked, if it was not confronted, then what would that do? It would tempt other people to openly sin. I remember one time I was with my father-in-law, 
And we were going to do some work in one of his commercial buildings. And when we went in, um, there was a, there was a, a sheetrock company that was supposed to have gone in and do some sheetrock work. And we were going to go in and just do some touch-up work. And when we went in, I mean, it was a shock. I mean, to see just a sloppy job that these guys had done. Now look, my, my, you want to see really bad sheetrock work? Come, come see mine, right? Come see, y'all see, I mean, come see mine. I mean, it's a mess, but just as long as you get it smooth, amen, at the end. But, but, but so, and I just, I thought, well, you know, this, this isn't good. I mean, this is not good. And so I told him, I said, well, you know, we can, we can fix that. We can smooth it out. But he didn't say a word. He just stood there. And I, I've come, I, I came to realize that when my father-in-law said nothing, um, he was disagreeing with me. And so I thought, it's, in just a minute, it's going to come. Here it comes. And so he pulled out his cell phone out of his pocket. He called the sheetrock company, the workers, and he called them. And he told them that he wanted them to come in that day and fix the job because we needed it done before the end of the next day. He put his phone up, put it in his pocket. And he said, Aaron, there's a principal here. And I thought, duh. Anyway, here it comes. He said, you know what? If we let those guys get away with this, and it was a bad job. It was really bad. He said, if we let them get away with this, then we are tempting them to do it to the next person and the next person and the next person and the next person. But my father-in-law did that with grace. He did it with a lot of mercy. He really did. I learned a lot from him that day. And so Paul is very strong in his judgment. Church, listen. We must judge sin and we must confront sin. That's hard. It's hard. But we must do it because we cannot let sin reign. And we cannot tempt people just to keep on flagrantly sinning in the body of Christ. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And this will be the last text that we look at this morning. Paul is teaching about lawsuits against believers, believer against believer. And we pick up in verse 1. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Now think just for a moment. The courts of Rome at this time were very unrighteous. I mean, they were pagan, pagan courts. Verse 2, Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Brothers and sisters, look up here at me just real quick. If you are truly born again, if you are truly born again, if you are saved by the grace of God, you know what's going to happen in the millennial reign? You know what's going to happen? We are going to judge the world with Christ. That's true. Did you know that? Ike is not the only judge in the room today. Amen, Ike? We will all be judges. We will, be, we will judge the world. And he says, and if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels or to, we are to govern angels? How much more then matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers, but brother goes to law against brother and that before pagan courts or unbelievers? And what Paul is doing, he's doing two things. 
Number one, he's making a judgment call against the church of Corinth. And not only that, but he is telling the church that if a brother has some litigation that can be settled by the church, the church needs to make a judgment on that and help these brothers get along or these sisters get along. Why? It's because we one day will judge the world with Christ because we have the sanctifying truth of God's Word. Not only do we have the sanctifying truth of God's Word, but we can gain gain wisdom from that. We have the fruit of the Spirit. And so Paul is making a judgment here against the church of Corinth. You need to help these people settle this. But not only that, not only that, but you need to make judgment calls with each other as well. And so Jesus is not telling us not to judge. Paul is not telling us not to judge. He's not saying that. He's not saying that at all. And so what Paul and Jesus are teaching us is what we should not judge and what we should judge. They're putting guardrails up uh, to govern our judgment. And so the first thing I want you to see this morning is what we should not judge. What we should not judge. And this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want to be very, very careful here. And let me go back and just read verse number 5 again. Remember, we're talking about what we should not judge. Therefore, do not pronounce, pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. What we should not judge or we should restrain from judging is someone's motives, someone's thoughts. We should avoid judging the purposes of someone's heart. Let me go a little bit deeper in this. The Corinthian church was divided. They weren't just divided right down the middle. They were divided into four groups. In four groups. Some said, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Peter. And some sanctimonious people said, well, we are of Christ. We are better than you all. Better than you all. And, And what the Corinthians were doing is they were making judgments against the leaders of the church. They were doing it in two ways. Number one, they were probably doing it by appearance. They were probably doing it by appearance and their own preferences. Be very, very careful when you judge by appearance and preferences. Be very, very careful. And and because they were doing this, because they were judging by appearances and they were judging by preferences, they were making judgments of the innermost thoughts of the heart. And Paul is saying, you cannot do that. You are not God. You cannot read someone's mind. You are not omniscient. And so stop trying to judge people's motives. Stop it. But how many times do we find ourselves judging on the basis of appearance and performance and trying to read into someone's thoughts and someone's motives? How many times do we do that? How many times do we judge on the basis of what we don't like and what we like? Are you with me this morning? This is hard. This is hard for me. I had to do a lot of repenting last night. And, and, and we, we judge people, you know, even based on, you know, whether we disagree or we agree with them. I mean, it would be like me saying, you know, you know, Monty, you know, man, you are a very unspiritual person because you don't agree with me. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to read in to the hidden purposes of his heart. I can't know that. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? And we even go beyond that. 
And sometimes we judge people on our own preferences. We judge people on whether they homeschool or not homeschool. We judge people on what they eat and what they don't eat. I remember in my last church, there was a couple that had been visiting for months, months. And I thought really they were going to join the church. And so they came to me after church one day and they said, we'd like to set up an appointment with you and come talk to you about church membership. And I thought, man, this is great. They want to make an appointment with the Pope and I'm going to give them my papal blessing to join the church. This is going to be great. And so they came, they came to my office and this is what they said. This is what they said. They said, we want to join Indian Springs Baptist Church, but we have one problem. And I I said, well, what is it? They said, it's you. I wanted to do like a a Kramer. I mean, mean, it was just just that jarring. I mean, like, pow. I mean, it's you. And and whatever do you mean? And they said, we don't believe that, that you are, you know, maturing or you are mature enough in your pursuit of holiness to be our pastor. I'll never forget that. I will never, Pastor John, I will never, ever forget that. And after I got over my hurt feelings, it took me about an hour, you know, I really did a self-examination. A self-examination. And, and the reason why they said that was because about three or four Sundays before that, I quoted a movie. It was a World War II movie. I mean, I thought, Bob, it was a great, I mean, it was a great illustration. And I didn't, even, I didn't think anything of it. I just made the quote. And I, I, I said the movie, and I thought it fit very, very well. And that's the reason why they didn't think I was maturing um, in my pursuit of holiness. But I had to drop back before I judged them And I had to ask myself, where are they coming from, and should I be doing this? Now we say, Aaron, are you really? Did you really take them that serious? Yeah, I did take them serious. But not only that, but they were doing something that was sinfully judgmental as well. What they were doing was they were judging the hidden purposes of my heart and my motive. And Paul is telling us we need to be very, very, very careful about that. Very careful. And we also need to remember, before I go on, i got a lot more stuff to cover. We need to remember that in the human mind, there is a very short distance between our preferences and suspicion. Keep that in mind. There is a very short distance between our preferences, what we like and what we don't like, and our suspicion in our judgment. So remember that. Okay, what does Paul say we should judge? I think it's very clear and straightforward. We are to judge explicit sinful behavior. That is what we are to judge. I mean, when do the, when do the hidden passions of the heart reveal themselves? I mean, when does our inner motivation, when does it reveal itself? It reveals itself in our sinful behavior, what we say and what we do. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33, a tree is known by its fruit. And, and, and listen, you give it enough time, the inner thoughts, the inner passions, the inner motivations will reveal themselves. They will reveal themselves. And when they reveal themselves in sinful behavior, we can judge that. And whenever we sin, whenever I sin, it is the obligation of our brothers and sisters in Christ to call us on it. Now, I'm not saying that we should make a public spectacle about it. I'm not saying that. We shouldn't do that. We need to be very, very careful about that. 
I mean, if Brother Bob has a sin and I, and I go confront him, I'm not to get up in the pulpit the next Sunday and go, by the way, let me tell you about Brother Bob's sin. No, that needs to be between, be, be between Bob and me. Period. Done. Left there. And so we have an obligation to judge and to confront sin, but we do so with grace and we do so with love and we do so with mercy. And here is the goal. The goal is to help bring someone to repentance and to help restore someone. You got me? And so we're to do it with love and grace and mercy. And the end goal is to bring someone to repentance and someone to uh, restoration. And if you go back and you look at chapter 5, and you you look at that dude who was committing some gross sin, what Paul said, we're going to deliver him over to, to the devil. We're going to don't have anything to do with him in hopes of doing what? Bringing him to repentance. Bringing him to repentance. And so that's what we should not judge, and that's what we should judge. But lastly this morning, how should we judge? How should we judge each other? First of all, we need to judge slowly. We need to judge slowly. And I'm going to be honest with you. Last night, the Lord really took me to task through His Holy Spirit. And and I have just had a spirit the last several, maybe more months than several, of just a hair-triggered judgmentalism. Man, I'm going to tell you something. We can be such self-righteous Rambos. Man, we're locked, we're loaded, and man, we are just ready. I mean, we are just wanting to just give everybody, I mean, everything we've got. We want to judge, we want to condemn, and, and we're just like the Red Queen in Alice in Wonderland. You know what she said? You know what the Red Queen said? Y'all remember that? I knew y'all weren't as cultured as I thought, as I thought y'all were. The Red Queen said, she said, verdict first, trial later. Remember that? She said, verdict tr- first, trial later. And what we want to do as self-righteous Rambos, man, we want to go in with guns blazing, give people the verdict, and just worry about the details later. Remember what Jesus said. Judge not, lest you be judged, but first. What is Jesus doing there? He is telling us to slow down. To slow down. When blatant sin is committed and it is confirmed, we must confront it. But most of the time, in most situations, we are to be very, very slow, take our time, and to seek understanding. In James 1.19, it says this, Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And always remember what Jesus said, but first, but first. You know, it's been interesting teaching my two sons how to drive. And that is the understatement of all history. <laughs> and, and what's worse, Bob, is, is I, I had this wonderful idea. My boys are going to, my kids are going to learn how to drive first on a stick shift. I have come to regret that. Many times over, but, I, I, but that's the way it is. And that's the way it's going to be. Um, but as I've been teaching my kids about driving, I've taught them one thing, and I think it's very important uh, for us all. This is good practical advice this morning. Is, is called the, I call it the critical pause. The critical pause in driving. And maybe Steve can use this. Angie, would you whoop this wisdom on him when you get home? Okay, all right. The critical pause. For instance, if, if we leave here and we are crossing Wade Hampton and we're at a red light, when that light turns green, I tell my boys, don't just gun it to get across the road. I said, what you need to do is take your time and 
have a critical pause. Look both ways. Just because it green, it's green doesn't mean it's safe. Look both ways and see if a car is coming here, here, because one of the worst accidents that you can get in is a T-bone. I said, be very, very careful. And I told him, I said, look, the person behind you is on their phone anyway, so don't worry about it. I said, just, I said, just, <laughs> they're texting, just take your time. It takes one or two seconds. The critical pause. The critical pause. Because if we don't, it could cause a lot of destruction. It could cause a lot of personal injury. And I've committed that. I've committed that myself, and you have too. All of us stand guilty of that. Where we have just launched into a judgment with guns blazing, and we have no idea what that person is going through, what that person has gone through. And man, we are just making these, these critical, censorious judgments on heart matters that we don't even know about. When it's sin, when it's out there, there's no doubt about it. Judge it, confront it. But be very, very slow. Second thing is self-awareness. We need to judge with a heavy dose of self-awareness. And what I'm saying is this, are there double standards in your life? Are you committing the same sin that this person is committing? And if you are committing the same sin that this person is committing, maybe you need to go to them and say, look, I, this is sin in your life. You know how I know because it's sin in my life. And, and maybe, maybe we can just help each other not do this. Or is it sin that you have committed where you can go to a person and say, listen, I've done the same thing. I've done the same thing over and over again. And, and, and I, just want to, I just want to come beside you. I just want to come beside you and spur you on to better things, to better things. And so we need to have a, a healthy self-awareness and see what our double standards are. And not only that, but also we need to see ourselves for who we really are. We are recipients of grace. We are recipients of the grace and love and the mercy of God. Are we not? That's who we are. Martin Luther said this on his deathbed. He said it in Latin and German. He said, we are beggars, this is true. Those were his last words. The great reformer, Martin Luther, could have said a lot of things. But he said, we are beggars, this is true. And a lot of times we rush into judgment. We are, we are like the Pharisees that go into the temple and we look up to heaven and we say, Lord God, I am so glad I am not like those people. Whenever we should be like the tax collector who went into the temple according uh, to Luke chapter 18, verse 13, and he beat his chest and he said, Lord, have mercy upon me for I am a sinner. And man, I'm going to tell you what, if you ever want to frame righteous judgment and confrontation, it is slow down, critical pause, and take a deep look inside of your life and confess your sin before you begin to confess the sins of others. And the last thing this morning is be very suspicious of your motives. Be very suspicious of what is going on in your mind. And I really wish I could sing the Elvis song, Suspicious Minds, right now. It would fit so well, but some of y'all might judge me for it, so I'm not going to do it. Suspect your motives. Really, really dig deep down inside. Now listen to me, church. I'm almost done. Dig deep down inside and see what your motive is for judging and confrontation. And you can apply this to your, your spouse, your children, your boss. It's not just within the four walls of the church on Sunday morning. But what are your motives? 
Why do you really want to confront this person? Why are you really judging them? You know, I, I had a counselor tell me one time, um, he said, you know, one, one of the, the best questions you can ever ask before you go into a counseling session is, why do I want to counsel this person? Do I want to be a hero? Do I want to look like I'm all wise? Or do I really want to help this person? And so we need to ask ourselves, why do I want to confront? Is it to see this person come to repentance? That, that should be our goal, right? Do I really want to see this person restored to a right relationship with Christ? Or do I want to prove myself right? I mean, do I just want to set myself a notch or two above this person? I mean, do I want to prove that I am spirit more spiritual than this person, or they are just lowlifes in God's kingdom? By the way, folks, there are no lowlifes in God's kingdom. Amen? None. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. And so I think there needs to be a healthy, healthy dose of, of suspicion. And I think before we confront and judge, I think we need to pray Psalms 139. Psalms 139 is just a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous uh, chapter. And it says, search me, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Reveal in me any offensive ways. Isn't that good? And so Paul is saying that we should not judge people's inner motives and thoughts. We're not God. We're not omniscient. And if, if they are sinning in their mind, it will be revealed in their behavior and what they say. And we are to judge sinful behavior. We are to judge false teaching. We are to do that. But we need to do it slowly. We need to do it with self-awareness, with a lot of suspicion about our motives. i close with this. In my first pastorate, um, I'll never forget this. I can see it in my mind's eye. We had vacation Bible school, and after vacation Bible school, a couple weeks later, we went out and we visited the homes of the children who visited our vacation Bible school program at the end of the summer. And I brought a deacon with me, and we went visiting, and, and, and we, we were out a long time, and it was, it was kind of getting dusk, it was getting dark. And so in the summer, you know we were, we were out a long time. And so I said, let's make one more visit, we're done, and we'll be done with all of our visits, you know, uh, from VBS. And so we went to this last house, and we drove to the house. I mean, I, I don't know how many Harleys were parked outside that house, but it, I mean, it, it, it looked like a Harley-Davidson convention. I mean, it looked like we were at Sturgis. And so, and, and then there were dogs barking behind the fence, you know, before you get to the house. And my deacon, he said, he goes, I, it's getting dark. I, I think we can do this later. And I said, no, man, man, I was just, I was so young and stupid. Um, and I said, no, we're, we're going to do this because I just, I want to complete my checklist here. Let's get it over with. Clean slate. And so we walked up to the fence, I opened the fence and we went in and the dogs weren't as vicious as we thought they were going to be. I went to the door, I knocked on the door and when the person opened the door, they had on a, 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 a leash, a, a pit bull. And that thing was lunging. You know, the, uh, you know and, and, and so I did. I took, I took a couple steps back, and I thought, maybe the deacon heard from God, you know, that we shouldn't do this. Maybe he was tapped in uh, to the... And, but anyway, but long story short, we walked in, and, and obviously the people were dressed, 
you know, in, in biker-like, you know, clothing. And, and so we, we had a good talk. And I found out that they went to the biker church in Johnson City, Tennessee. I don't know if it's still there or not, um, but there was a biker church. And it was, a, it was a tremendous church, faithful teaching. Pastor Vic preached the Word of God. Um, in fact, my mom and dad visited there after my dad retired from his church. And so if my mom and dad visited, you know it's a good church. And, um, and I mean, they came in all their, their you know, biker gear and stuff like that. And so we, we had a good time. It, it ended up being pleasant. But as, as I was walking, as we were leaving, the lady of the house, she said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. And she said, if I came to your church dressed like this, would people judge me? And I just gave her an honest answer. I told her, I said, I hope they won't judge you. I said, but I can't control people's thoughts, but you know, knowing my people at my church, I, I would hope that they would not judge you and that you would be more than welcomed and that people could get past you know, what clothing you have on. And brothers and sisters, let me just stop and pause and say this, we should be that way. And then as I was leaving... She seemed satisfied by the answer. And as I was leaving, I had my hand on the door handle. I had it on the door handle. And I just turned around and I said, can I ask you a question? And she says, sure. And I said, if I came to your church, the biker church, dressed in a three-piece suit and a tie, would you judge me? It cuts both ways. And isn't it interesting how deceitfully subtle our judgment and our self-righteous attitudes can be. Brothers and sisters of Edwards Road Baptist Church, slow down. Be aware of yourself. Suspect your motives. But by all means, judge and confront with the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ that has been displayed to you, to you through the cross of Jesus. With hopes that this person will come to repentance and will be restored to a right standing with Christ. Can I admit to you this morning, this sermon has really convicted me. I was going to use this sermon as a stopgap between the fruit of the Spirit and the Gospel of John. And man, the Holy Spirit has beat me up all night. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will beat you up too. (laughs) Amen. I pray that the Holy Spirit will just get a hold of our hearts. And will remind us that we are beggars. And we all do not deserve the grace and the mercy of Jesus. We don't. But because we have received the grace and mercy and the love of Jesus, we have the wherewithal through the power of the Spirit to slow down, to do the deep scan of the heart, and to confront so that people might come to repentance and be restored. I am. I'm convicted. I stand guilty. Stand guilty. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's people said,
This morning, if you would like to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, after the service, I'll be standing right over here where Brother Bobby is. And I can show you through the Word of God how you can receive that grace and mercy and love, that forgiveness of sin, that knowing that your sin is forgiven, that you can have a right relationship with God, that heaven is your home. And if you would like to join Edward Road Baptist Church, you just meet me right over here, and I can show you how you can join Edward Road Baptist Church. Well, brothers and sisters, Clay, I believe, is going to come and lead us in Word of God Speak. And I pray that we allow the Word of God to speak deeply to us. Amen. Father, we give you thanks for Jesus. And through Jesus, we know that we have had grace and mercy rendered to us. Because Jesus took our verdict guilty. And He paid the penalty for our sins to show us that grace and love and mercy. And so, Lord, I pray if there is one here today that does not know you as Savior, they have never repented of their sin, they do not have a right relationship with you, they do not have peace that comes by knowing you. I pray that today that they will realize that they have sinned, that you paid the penalty for their sin, so that their sins might be forgiven and they might come into a right walk in relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that today that they will pray and they will ask you to forgive them. And I pray that they'll confess you as Lord. And Lord, for those of us that know that grace, we have tasted and we believe in that grace. Lord, help us to be gracious people to be loving, to be merciful, but yet truthful. Thank you, Lord, for the lesson today. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand, let's see. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Edwards Road Baptist Church. We hope you are meaningfully involved in a local church, but if you aren't, we would love to have you join us on Sunday mornings as we worship God and hear from His Word together. You can find more information about our church by visiting our website at edwardsroad.org.